you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. Who knows what series we're in? The Beloved. And this is message number 18. It's called, How Do You Know Me? How do you know me? This is a good question. How do you know me? And so if I can get a volunteer to read the scripture, we're in John chapter 1 in verse 48. Who can get there quickest? It can be anybody. Anybody today. John 148, just shoot up a hand and I'll come to you. We want to hear this. John 148. All right, Jacob, you got it. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you, Jesus answered. I saw you. Nathaniel asks, how do you know me? I don't know you. How do you know me? This could be anybody at this point, right? He didn't even ask, who are you? (laughs) Does anyone ever call you on the phone? And they call you and they're like, who is this? No, no, who is this? You called me. (laughs) Does anyone ever do that to you? I don't don't understand those people. No, no, no. Who are you? But Nathaniel said, how do you know me? You seem to know me. How? I've never met you. And it's not like, you know, Philip was, he was talking about the Messiah. He probably didn't say, yeah, he's got, you know, you know, Ugg sandals, and you know he's got this certain robe, you know that he wears, and a sash or whatever. You know he's he's cool, like he has like a little swagger. Whatever. It's doubtful that Philip was really describing the the physiology of Jesus. He was just saying, no, this is the scripture. This is the word. This is the word become flesh. We found him, and so somehow here's Nathaniel. Remember from last week. Here comes Nathaniel. Philip's like, we found him. Nathaniel's like, well, let's go find him. Let's go see. Come and see. All right, here we go. And Nathaniel's coming toward Jesus. Apparently, Jesus is coming toward Nathaniel. We read about, I'm not making a doctrine here. I'm just saying, we read about Nathaniel's steps toward Jesus first. Don't we? That's what we read about. Obviously, God's heart is always poised toward us. He's the great initiator. But look, I'm, I'm here to tell you, especially in America, right? If we start moving toward the Lord Jesus, we're going to find him because he's making his way toward us. Yes. But we've got to make our way toward him. Here comes Nathaniel. And it's like, I, want, I should have said last week, it's only in hindsight that you think about some of these things. I, I should be, here comes Elisa. Here comes Carla. Here comes John, right? And here they come toward Jesus. And Jesus right there ready to meet him. Isn't God good? The God man is good. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. I saw you. This is exciting to me. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, notice not to him necessarily, but, but of him. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. No deceit. What you see is what you get. This not only is this a covenant person, amen, an Israelite. This is, hey, 
God's covenant people, right? In whom is no deceit. You're going to know exactly what this guy thinks, like, like it or not, right? Not, maybe not necessarily the easiest guy to get along with. I understand that. I, I relate. <laughs> Someone has said that about me years ago. as my best, best man at my wedding. He's like, there's no deceit in you. <laughs> and I, I always thought to me, like, he thinks I'm like this, like the easiest going guy in the world, you know? Because that's kind of how I see myself, easy going. But I know I'm not. I know I'm, I'm opinionated and I know I have, you know, like, but at least you know. At least you know where I'm coming from. I think that was more where he was going with this, you know, <laughs> Rick Bristol, wherever you are. He was saying, hey, this, this is you, like, just like Nathaniel. <laughs> Some people know, my friend. That's funny. And so Nathaniel was like, how do you know me? And so I want you to think about this in two ways. Would you think about it with me? Number one, imagine a stranger knowing you. It, this is a stranger, right? Right? This is a stranger. And I want you to also consider how well Jesus knows you. So those two things. Imagine a stranger knowing you and then consider how well Jesus knows you. So imagine a stranger meets you on the street for the first time. You've never seen each other in your whole lives, right? Never seen each other. No interaction whatsoever. And, and imagine this. Let's say you're listening, you're listening in your, your, your earbuds, iPhone, whatever, your, your music's been in your pocket for an hour. There's no way that someone could have looked over your shoulder, looked through your jean pocket and saw what was on the shuffle. You know, it's totally on shuffle. It's not even an album, right? He doesn't even know what comes next, right? Okay. And all of a sudden, that person says, hey, so how, how's that Phantom of the Opera? <laughs> we listened to the Phantom of the Opera last night. And uh, how, how's that Phantom? And what would, what would you think if someone came up to you like that? Just just wild guess. Someone. Okay, John, I think you nailed it. Say, say that in the mic. <laughs> creepy. Yeah, creepy. What is going on here? This is not right. Some, something's up. Something is going on here. And how do you know it's in here? It's not even on the speaker. It's in my head. Right? You, th- you definitely think there is something going on. Am I on candid camera? Right? Did, so- did someone put one of those little NFL mics, you know, with the dome? You know, they're listening to it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyone watch football? Um, you should be very impressed that I know that. I don't like <laughs> watch football. But uh, I-, I pick up some things here and there. Um, anyway, you would-, you would definitely think, hey, maybe there's a trick. Maybe... maybe- Maybe it's like the Lord saying something, depending on how you're, you know, situated with the Lord. But you definitely think there's something going on. This phone's been in my pocket for an hour. I've had the earbuds in. I'm not singing the thing. How does he know? How do you know? How do you know me? Nathaniel asks. Okay, it's definitely strange. Can we all agree that it's strange? Okay, so this is a strange moment. But now for us, we know better, right? We know, we know better. Here we are, 21st century, we're sophisticates, right? We're so technologically advanced, we, we have all kinds of things. Now we know, oh, we have the Bible, we, get, we, get, we have the whole Bible and everything, right? Nathaniel didn't have the whole Bible. Uh, he, had, he had enough, though, to, to look for Jesus. And when I want to consider how well Jesus knows you. 
Can you consider how well Jesus knows you? I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Isn't that our foundation? It's our starting place. Should be our ending place too. Right? If it starts with the scripture and ends with the scripture, we're going to be all right. Amen. Because we can kind of even get all squirrely as we, you know, we look in it. But as long as we're like, look, I'm going to just try to figure it out with the Bible. You're going to, you're going to land in a good place. Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to give you a lot of scripture because this is what we do here. We build good doctrine because we don't just pick cherry pick scripture. Oh, you know what? I really like that one place that it says this. And I think it, I think it kind of makes a case for this, but nowhere else does it say it. (laughs) We don't do that. We say, what does the Bible say consistently over and over again? What does the Bible reaffirm? Let scripture interpret scripture. The, the scripture is even to shine a light on another scripture. Doesn't that happen to you? You're looking for a scripture to help somebody and you're like, and that reminds me of this one too. And then you just start boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? The word of Christ. He's saying, I got something to tell you. How do you know me? Second <laughs> Timothy 1.9 says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Now who's us? Yeah, me, us, 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 Christians. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Before the ages began, he gave it to us. Were you born before the ages began? I don't think so. Neither was your mom. All right. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Not just prepared from the foundation of the world, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God knew that Bill was going to join him in heaven one day. Amen. What, 60, 70 years from now, right, Bill? Something like that? Amen. Well, yeah, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I mean, we're, we're going for that 120. You know, it's going for the full 120 years. Does anyone know what I'm talking about when I say 120? God is like, 120 is it. I'm not going to contend with man forever. Right? He said, I'll let you live 120 years from now on. And that's it. So I'm going, I'm pulling for the 120. Anyone with me? You want to go to the full 120, all healthy and strong? Amen. Amen. John's like, if I can be healthy and strong. Amen. That's right. Hey, hey, ask and you shall receive. Um, all right, so that was Matthew 25, 34. If you want to make these scriptural references so you can go back and paint the picture for your friends and family. Luke eleven fifty. You ready for this? Luke eleven fifty. So that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world. How can, how can the blood be shed of anybody, much less a prophet, you know, who's been given that by God, be shed before they're even born? God, God is outside of time, right? There's like a whole, we, we experience time a whole different way than God does. It's like time keeps on ticking, 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 into the future. Yeah, you know, I am. and the thing is for God, he's like, I've, I've been there. I've been at the very, I've been before the beginning. I've been before there was time. I invented it. I made it up. You know, I, I put you inside time. You know, it was, he assigned the see its limit. He assigned time. Anyway, but he knew things, things that already essentially happened for him from forever ago. And does that, that doesn't even make any sense. 
Because God's outside of time. He's like, forever what? It's just I am. I just am, right? Okay. Ephesians 1.4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Am I starting to paint a picture for you? That this is, this is happening. This is, Jesus knows us real good. <laughs> He's known us a long time. Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Hold on to that word works. My soul knows it very well. And then in two verses later, your eyes saw my unformed substance. Are you made out of something? Yeah, okay, you are. Matter, right? And, and then before it was all put together as you, God knew you as that. And you're going to become this. God has a plan. Amen? Amen? Wonderful all your works. My soul knows it very well. And your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, they were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. All right. So all this time, Jesus has fully appreciated who he's making you into. Amen. Hebrews 4, 3, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Didn't I just say back in the Psalm, wonderful are your works. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Worked together. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. You were essentially finished from the foundation of the world. Because time doesn't work for God like it worked for us. Revelation 13, 8. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life. We're talking, obviously talking about people. Looking at two groups of people. And then, so not just the Christians, everyone's known by God. Can we agree? God knows everybody. Revelation 17, 8. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel over and over and over again in the Bible. He's saying, oh, I know you. <laughs> Make no mistake. I know you. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? He's like, look, I've been around since before there was time. I've known you and, and the plans I have for you from forever ago. And I've, of course I know you. And if that wasn't enough, he's like, and I just saw you under that fig tree when you're all alone. <laughs> that's, that's good. How do you know me? The Greek word, someone said this week they love the Greek and the Hebrew stuff. The Greek word for this is gnosko. Gnosko, just spell it however you like. Gnosko. And um, it means to know, obviously, or to perceive, to understand, to have intimate knowledge of. 2 Timothy 2.19 The Lord knows who are His. The Lord knows those who are his, and he has known Nathaniel. Isaiah 48, 8. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from before birth you were called a rebel. How You knew that I was going to be rebellious before I was born? You sure did. I sure did. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Or, or I knew that you are going to be so sweet and loud. You know, um, no guile, no deceit, whatever. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. 
I set you apart. Matthew 7, 22, 23. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? No argument. Yes, you did do those things. Yes, those things happened because my word is true. But what he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, so if Jesus knows everybody, but he said, I didn't know you, what does that mean for us? It means that Jesus was always ready and, and you know, that person didn't come to Jesus. It was like these seven sons of Sceva, right? And they're trying to cast out demons. In the name, in that, that one name that Paul preaches, that Jesus guy that Paul preaches. And the demon's like, yep, I know Paul. Certainly know Jesus. We do not know you. And it is go time, right? You picture those cartoons where there's like just a cloud of dust and everything. And they get beat up so bad, ripped naked, and they're, they're gone. Because they are not, they did not know Jesus. And they did not allow Jesus to know them as one that, that intimate knowledge that was like, Jesus, like, I can know you, but until you know me, all the knowings for naught. It's for naught. Jesus also knew Nathaniel in this real time, right now, since, right before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you. I saw you under that fig tree. And I know that you're thinking about the chosen. You're thinking if you've seen that season two, whatever, you've seen Nathaniel working through his mess and he's praying, calling out to God. Who knows if it went like this? It may have, you know, something like this. But in any case, he was there. He was by the tree. He's praying. He's wanting God. And I, and I believe that's true because you see the character of Nathaniel. Here comes Nathaniel. He's on his way. And he doesn't even fully believe this could possibly be the Messiah yet because like Nazareth and Philip's like, just come and see. So he's on his way. He wants to find out. And so he's crying out to God all alone, miserable. And Jesus is like, I was there. I saw you. I'm, I'm completely dialed in to what's going on with you. Before Philip called you, I want to parse out these phrases. Before Philip called you, haven't we read that Jesus, uh, or we haven't read, in fact, that Jesus was told or saw or had any awareness of Philip going to Nathaniel? We didn't read that Philip's like, Jesus, I'm going to go get Nathaniel real quick. Hang on right here. Right? It, does the, your Bible doesn't say that. I'm going to go get Nathaniel real quick. Hold on. Stay right there. Don't move, Jesus. No. So Jesus is not, hasn't been told. There hasn't been a plan. There's not been a, a certain scheme concocted, you know? And say, like, hey, and then you say this and you say this and it'll look like you're really, you know, nope. This is all true. Maybe Philip didn't even know where Nathaniel was before he had found him and told him about Jesus. Maybe he was at the fig tree and then Philip, I mean, we know he was at the fig tree and then Philip found him. I don't know if he found him at the fig tree or not. Do you know? No, you don't know either. It's not in the Bible. He didn't say that Philip found him at the fig tree. No, he just found him. So maybe he had his private time crying out to the Lord or whatever, whatever he was doing under the fig tree. And then Philip found him somewhere. There's no knowledge. It's not like uh, Philip, Philip went down to Nathaniel's favorite fig tree where he would often be found, you know, picking figs, doing whatever he's doing. No, there's nothing like that. No collusion. <laughs> 
That was a joke. Too soon? All right. Before Philip called you, Jesus knows. And that's what I'm telling you today. Before whoever got you, Jesus knew. And right now, before you go get all those who need to be here and hearing this word, Jesus sees them. And Jesus is desperate for them. Who are they? Nathaniel asked Jesus, how do you know me? I'm going to ask you, do you know them? Do you know anyone? Who needs Jesus? Someone you know? Let me put it this way. This is, this is not cool. I'm just going to do it anyway. Do, do people that you know, would you rather them have Jesus or not have Jesus? Have Jesus. Thank you. That's exactly right. Yeah. Don't rob them by not sharing Jesus. Amen. Philip, it would have been terrible if Philip hadn't gone and found Nathaniel. But he decided to go and do something with it. Because we found Jesus and Jesus is good enough for me. I want you to have Jesus. Amen. We need to identify that way. You need to identify that way and go get somebody. Go get some people. Now look at this phrase. When you were under the fig tree. <laughs> it's like, Nathaniel's like, bro, I was just under the fig tree. You're totally right. I was there. But I was alone. I was alone. Jesus, who was not physically there or even nearby, saw him there. How does this happen? This was enough description, apparently, for Nathaniel. To, he was satisfied with it. No one could have known this, is what, right? Since I was absolutely alone, no one could have known this. He knows it. Something is going on. God is, God's moving. God's speaking. Is there room in your faith, in your belief, in your mind to allow for something like this from the Lord? How could you even know? How, how could this even happen? Right? If there is, then you can find yourself drawing closer to Jesus, getting blessing from Jesus like you've never gotten before. That's why I'm excited about these conferences. These conferences, when you get together with other believers who are hungry for the Lord, things unlock. They unlock. And how about this? I saw you. That word harao, harao, to see with the eyes, to see with the mind. I'm going to see a victory. That's what it reminded me of because I prepared this. To see with the eyes, to see with the mind. Okay, uh, everybody close your eyes. Just play my game real quick. I won't come down there. I'll stay up here. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. Close your eyes. And uh, you can tell because the thing will keep ringing because I'm standing up here. And so maybe we can fix that while I'm up here. Um, I'll stay here and you close your eyes. But let me, let me ask, can you see me? No, why? Because your eyes are closed. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to say something to you. White, fluffy cat. Now, what do you see? How, how? <laughs> we got some people with some great imaginations, people with some uh, up and coming imaginations. In, in your mind, you're seeing something. It's a white fluffy cat. Now picture a red sports car. Fast. You, you see it? It's blue by you. See, you're seeing it. You're seeing it in your mind. Good, right? This is, this is hara'o. Good job. Hara'o, to see it in your mind. Close your eyes. <laughs> and now, picture that, that, that cat right in front of that red sports car. Go. 
Is that terrible? Are we have cat people in here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Open your eyes. I'm just messing with you. I'm just playing with you. You know that. All right. The, the, the same, I'm a dog person, and so I can say those things. Yeah, dog people? Bless the Lord. The same word was used when the wise men saw the star that led them to Jesus. Okay, look, they saw the star, but they, they saw something else, though, didn't they? Can we all agree that they, they probably saw deeper than that's a big star? That star shouldn't be there, whatever that, that thing was. They saw with different eyes. They saw somewhere else besides optically. They saw in their heart. They saw with their mind. They saw in their spirit. They saw whatever. This is the same word that was used when they saw Jesus, when they arrived. Same word when they saw the Spirit descend at Jesus' baptism. They saw it, but they saw it. Does that make sense? They, they saw in multiple ways. Uh, Jesus knowing his detractors' evil thoughts, that same word, rao. When Jesus saw faith in somebody, rao, he saw it. And, and it's like, it's, how, how would you say, I saw faith? What, is it, what color is it? What shape is it? Right? No, it's like, you, but you see it nonetheless. You know that thing. This is that word, rao. Uh, see, when Jesus saw Peter's mother-in-law was sick, he, he saw and he saw. Uh, when he saw the disciples that he called, he's seeing Levi, seeing Peter, Andrew. He, he's seeing these guys, but he's also seeing into their future. He's seeing their destiny. He's seeing further than just what his eyes can perceive. That's harao, harao. There's so much to this word. It's, it's not merely sight, but it's um, almost an intuition. An internal, miraculous, divine sense of knowledge or insight. There, let, me, let me ask, my, my kids will know this. There, there's a thing that, that we, there, there's sight, right? But then when you need to see more deeply, there's, there's something else. What is it? Uh, it that gives you, <laughs> give me, sight. you got to say it loud. Sight beyond sight. Sight beyond sight. That's a Thundercats reference. We were watching the Thundercats. Uh, there's sight of what you can just see with your own eyes, but then it's like, when I need help from something to make me see better than I can see. Give me sight beyond sight. I just kind of relate everything to the Lord, you know, the sword. and It can let you see things. Doesn't this increase our sight? Doesn't this increase our vision? It's like LASIK, right? Without the, without the invasive laser, you know, What's it called? Horror. <laughs> Jen just had LASIK surgery, and so she's like, it's not right. It's not right. Not natural. It is not natural. <laughs> that you should be awake for this laser coming out of your eyeball. So, anyway, sight beyond sight. Jesus did have an ace that he was playing here. Okay, I'm not calling it a trick. It's not a trick, but it is an ace. Anyone know when you have an ace up your sleeve? Right? He wasn't cheating, but it's his... To the world, they'd be like, that's not fair. And God's like, who said anything about fair? These are my covenant people. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> so I want to ask you a question. This is open to anybody. What was the ace that Jesus was playing? What, did, what extra did he, did he have to be able to do this? To be able to see Nathaniel, and he wasn't even there. What did Jesus have at this point in his life? That was the ace. Go ahead. Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit. That's right. He had the Holy Spirit. 
can, can, I, can, I just, can I just do something real quick? I'm distracted. I'm going to try to fix my own situation here. Ooh. Do you hear that? Do you hear what I talk? No? All right, Brian may have gotten it. I'm gonna, if it. If it does it again, I'm going to try to get it myself from up here. Uh, it, I end up like humming the tone that is echoing, and then, I, and then I turn it down. Sorry. But all right. Jesus had the Holy Spirit. And so here's what we did. We began praying over schools. You know this. I've been telling you this. The Lord said pray over the schools in your district because I've told you these stats. 98% of people choose Jesus by the time that they're 29 years old. So 30 years on and up, only 2% of people get saved. So then do you think we should focus on young people? Yes. Amen. Do you think young people are struggling today? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We need to focus on young people. And so, by the way, 65% or so get saved by the time they're 18. The majority of people get saved when they're a child. We should focus on young people. Amen. We should put priority on young people. So the Lord has, through all of these statistics and everything. Oh, by the way, you want, to, you want me to give you another one that's going to make you cry yourself to sleep? I will do it. Uh, not to bring you down, but just to wake you up. People who call themselves evangelical Christians, out of the 100% of people who would self-identify as evangelical Christian, guess how many percent are actually evangelical Christians? Everyone knows I set you up so good. It's going to be a terrible number, right? So you're like, zero. <laughs> I do. I, I mean, I always I do set you up. You know, this is the good one. It's like 6%. 6% of the 100% of people who say, yeah, I'm an evangelical. Six. That If you got a 6% on a test, you're going to do that test again and, and again, you know. We're, we're not as evangelical as we believe we are. With those, those things that we say evangelicals believe, they're like, what, is, are you an evangelical? Yes. Do you believe this? No. Well, that's what evangelicals believe, though. Oh. And so they're not asking that question. They're only finding out who is actually who they say they are, who they claim to be, and it's only 6% of us. I say yes because we do believe that stuff. Yeah. You're like, Jesus, born of a virgin? Yeah. Right? Resurrected on the third day? Yeah. All, all of it. We believe that. Not everyone does. Not everyone filling churches. Not everyone, you know, man on the street. You a Christian? Totally. I don't know, we're kind of salvation with fear and trouble. Have you read the Bible, though? <laughs> Is the scripture God's inspired word? Well, it's, I mean, it's good. It's a good book, you know? I don't know if it's like God's word, you know, but it's, you know, Jesus was smart. People, this, people are like this, but not us. Amen. Amen. This is God speaking to me. Yes, it is. Amen. It is God speaking. And so we, we started praying over these schools and we went to Angelina's school and here we are praying. And I'm so thankful that there is someone that goes to that school that is able to pray at that school. And we wrapped up with this. And may they begin to see things change right away, even tomorrow. That's what faith speaking right there. Casting a vision even as we're praying. Lord, we expect you to move because you're a mover. Yeah. Now, we're not demanding something that's outside your will as if, you know, you can demand all you want. You know, you'll be disappointed. But when it's in God's will, you're going to get it done. 
It's going to happen, right? And so the Lord is doing these things. And so we said, all right, we believe that you're who you say you are. May things begin to change this school even starting tomorrow. And Angelina came. So that was on a Tuesday. We're here on a Sunday. And I'm right there in the front row after service. And Angelina's like, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. She said, I saw a change in my school the next day. That is, that's amazing, right? Now, let me, let me bring this to you. Did the school actually change? You don't know. Maybe it did. What do you mean, no? Maybe something did change. Maybe she changed. Maybe, like, she saw herself as able now to connect with more people, bring more people to Jesus, encourage more people, bring more people up, see them. You know, these are words that she's using. You know, like, I, I, and I saw this person with their head down and all that. It's like, ha, ha, ha. The Lord definitely did something on that school campus, even if it was only in the one person to start. It's the one person that needed to be, that person of peace. And Angelina is like, I'm going to look. And I saw this person with his head down. I said, hey, Jesus loves you. And you, you know how she talks, right? She's like, God, God loves you. What's going on? And just engaging with people and now drawing them into the kingdom. See, the school may have changed. She definitely changed. And so things change. Things are changing. I love it. She, she started to horao to see and activate because of it. And all, all of a sudden now she's testifying that the school changed overnight. Amen? And now through the whole year, imagine what's going to happen. Because we pray at schools every week, don't we? You get these text messages. Hey, we're going to be at such and such. 6.30 p.m. And we go and pray. Helen, we were, we were praying the other night at a couple different schools. There was a school in two different locations. We ended up at different locations. So we just prayed over both of them. Nailed it. Um, but what did Jesus say? Behold, see it this way. Lift up your own eyes and look. You have to look to be able to see. Look with your eyes. Look with your heart. Reminds me of a Phantom of the Opera 2 song. Look with your heart and not with your eyes. That's pretty good. No one has seen Family Opera 2 except our family. It, I, I don't know if I can even recommend it. It's a little weird. Um, family Opera 1 was good, right? Do we all have, you know, who has seen Family Opera 1? This is family business right here. Okay, thank God. Okay, there has to be some sort of representative. That's all right. Um, some of the men in that kind of like, what's a phantom? What's an opera? <laughs> you know, I had seen that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, back to the scripture. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look. The fields are ready to be reaped. So when a field is ready to be reaped, what has happened already? Hold on, let me come around to you. What has happened already when a field is ready to be reaped? Seeds have been planted. Amen. Seeds have been planted. What else? Harvest. Harvest has come. Good. It's harvest time. What else? Uh, They have to grow. They have to grow. (laughs) How, how do seeds grow? They have to be watered. Amen. They got to be watered. So they're planted in the ground, watered. God makes a whole bunch of things happen, right? What, there's something else actually way before that if you want to go there. Sunlight. Sunlight. The soil has to be tilled. That's exactly right. The soil has to be tilled. You got to prepare the ground. 
You put these seeds, you guess you put seeds on some stony ground, some hard ground, right? And it's gonna sit there on top of the ground, not doing anything. Jesus said, We're not, we're not at, at tilling ground time. We're not at planting seed time. We're not at watering seed time. He said, Don't you tell me four more months like you always do, and then it'll be time to reap. He said, right now, right now, right now, right now, today is harvest time, ready to be reaped. People are ready to come into the family. It's harvest time. It's time to get those combines out there and reap the crop. Now, do we not, do we stop tilling ground? Do we stop planting seed? Do we stop watering seed? No, of course, we always do that. But if we don't start reaping, there's going to be a lot of people Linda told me this the other day. She has a, an amazing garden. And she brings us little treats from her garden. And Isla's been eating these sweet peppers like they're candy. It's crazy. They look like little, those little hot peppers, but they're just the sweet ones. Uh, so it's funny to see a five-year-old eat those. Anyway, she has this garden, and she makes it. And she says, if we don't pick the fruit at the right time, it will spoil on the tree from the inside out. I thought, man, that is... That's something. And so you have to be invested in the process. You've got to be attentive to the season. You've got to be intentional about plucking the fruit so you can eat it. Amen? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so let's talk. Let's talk about this. Has anyone ever won someone into the kingdom? Like out on the street, like Chris was talking about. You know, it's like, I'm just out there. I'm doing, I'm just doing life. I'm just living my life. Have you ever reaped someone into the kingdom? Like they were not saved. They were, if they would have died right then, they would have gone to hell. But you came along and you reaped them that moment and they became a Christian. Carly, you've done that. Okay. So, there was the fields are white for harvest that day. So what you, what did you what did you do? What does that look like when you're connecting with somebody and and you feel like they need the Lord Jesus? You know that they don't have him, but you feel like there maybe is an openness there. What do you do? What what do we do? What what does it look like? It starts with conversation because you have a feeling that. They're ready, but then you have the conversation with them, and when you determine that they really are, then you ask them, and usually they say yes. You ask them what? They You ask them if they want to accept Jesus in their life as their Savior, as their Lord. And then they, you said they normally say yes, so you've had more yeses than noes when you've asked that question? Yes. <laughs> I think we're learning something. Those who ask, Receive. It, you, you, you have not. Because you ask not. Because you ask not. Uh, there's a book a long time ago called The Big Ask. you got to make the big ask. Hmm. And if you just ask, then they'll maybe say yes. And Carla's experience has been that they'll say yes more often than no. So you recently have had an experience like this. Yes. And so... 
can you describe anything about it that we wouldn't necessarily think to, it wouldn't occur to us to, to know ahead of time? If we haven't been in this situation, what should we be preparing for? A no. Prepare for a no? <laughs> in, in what way? Um, like emotionally? <laughs> well, kind of. Because, you know, I mean, obviously, you, the asker, understands and can see that they need Christ and then to offer him and they say, no, it, yeah, that's painful. Yeah. But you have to be able to receive their answer. Amen. 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 You know, I think we've been, we've been dancing around this for a couple of weeks. You know, people who are not hungry, they're not interested, they're not ready. And so... It's muted. Um, people who are not ready, you can almost turn them off to the gospel by pushing and pushing and pushing. Or, or it's like as if you're demanding or requiring them to like come to Jesus, or whatever. That's like that's maybe only going to push people farther away. Maybe you just need to love them from afar, ask the Lord to bring them somebody else who they will listen to or whatever, and then He'll do it. Because it doesn't have to be you. You know, humility says it doesn't have to be me. It could be anybody. Lord, send someone that they will listen to, someone that they will hear. Amen. So you have to be prepared for a no, but you have to be willing to ask the question because you might just get a yes. And it's better for them, it's better for Jesus, it's better for all of us, it's better for our community if they say yes. The more Christians we have, the less crime we have. Amen. Amen. That's got to be true, right? The more Christians we have, the fewer abortions we have. Amen? That's got to be true. The more Christians we have, the more love for one another, brotherly love that we have, the less fighting. Amen. Chris, you were going to say something. Uh, real quick, uh, if you guys decide to go out and evangelize, make sure you're prayed up. Make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't want to go out empty. You know, you don't want to go out fleshly because somebody could come at you in a fleshly manner and your reaction might be a fleshly manner and you're saying you're a Christian and that might even turn them down even more. Yeah. So you want to make sure you're prayed up or you're with somebody because yeah. armor sharpens armor. And I used to go with Brother Danny and we used to pray over each other. And we're just like, you know, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. And even if we just get one a day. Yeah. You know, we used to go shopping mall and there's a thousand people there. Right. And we would only get one or two. And, only. And we were happy. Yeah. You were happy. We well, were because happy. you know, you know how many how many Christians normally get their whole life? Zero. <laughs> so we only got one or two that day. And he's like, we was happy with that. You know, of course you were. We got rejected. But you uh, got we what? got we got rejected. Uh, we actually even got like sodas thrown at us and get out of my face. I don't want to hear about Jesus. Yeah. You know, and. We our response was okay. Yeah, we, we can't act in the flesh because they see that song. I want to be a mirror. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can't be like oh, you know, and because they see that and they're just like, oh, this guy's Christian, right? He was just telling me he loved Jesus and he wants this is Jesus. And he loved me. Yeah, you don't. You know, I don't want this. Yeah, that's that's not love. If if all it takes for you to get in a brawl with someone and they throw a soda at you, man, come on. Jesus had way worse than that. He did not lift a finger. He didn't even open his mouth in defense. 
Pilate says, don't you understand what we're talking about here? I have the power to kill you. And you answer me nothing? He said, like, you wouldn't have anything unless God gave it to you. <laughs> Jesus like, just double, you know, double down on this. I'm like, man, Jesus. I was like, it's one thing to keep your mouth shut, the right to remain silent. But he just like, you wouldn't have anything unless God gave it to you. Like, you do not intimidate me. <laughs> Jesus is hardcore. Um, so you got to be prepared for no's. You got to be prepared for yeses. So if you get a no, don't respond in the flesh. If you get like a, a hard no, don't respond in the flesh. We're supposed to be led by the spirit, not by the flesh. So we can't. And, and not only that, but the no. Who do, who do you think it's worse for you or Jesus? Jesus. And it's worse for them. It's worse for everybody than it is for you. So the, the lowest cost is the asker receiving a no. I want more for you, but you're not ready for more. You're not interested in more. Okay. Okay. Maybe another day. What's that? You have to be prepared for a no, but you have to be prepared for a yes. And so when you get a yes, I don't want to just limit it to Carla or whatever, but if you have, when you get a yes, what do you do? Because you've asked the question, we, we need a Lord. Jesus is it. Do you want to submit your life to Jesus and follow his ways? Like, do you want to be about, like, do what he says? He, you want him to be the boss? You have to communicate lordship. But when they say yes to that, what do you do? Who has an answer? I'm going to come to you. Or else I'm just going to default to Carla. Please don't make her say everything if you have one. Allie. So what do you do when someone says yes? Praise God. You just move in. Now's the time. Yeah. I've, I've had that. Like the first person I ever walked to Christ was on my job. And we st- the young lady said she was ready. And I said, okay. I grabbed her by the hand. We went into an empty office. We prayed, and she accepted Jesus right then and there. It's go you, time. You don't wait. That's right. You don't miss it. Amen. That's, write that down. Don't wait. Right? When, when someone is ready to receive Jesus as their Lord, right then and there, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It is now. Now is the time. Reap right now. Not four months. Not four minutes. Because who knows, the devil comes immediately to steal the word. Because he wants to steal and kill and destroy anything of the Lord that's in you. And if there's something implanted, he wants to rip it right out. Four minutes could be the difference between life and death. Reap right then. Because then they're going to kick it around with somebody who's going to kill their faith. You know, and just be, we don't want that. Strike while the iron is hot. Go get them right then. Amen. That's a great answer. So you ask, when you get a yes, go right then. And then what do you do? Because this is fun. We, we grew up in a, a different, I'm not disparaging anybody, I'm just saying we grew up in a different vein of Christianity, different preaching, a different line of Christianity that doesn't go so specific into what it takes. Like Lordship was a new concept to me. So when we started coming around here, Lord, it's not just, everyone wants a savior. Everyone wants the, wants the rescue. No one wants the Lord. No, it didn't say if you confess the savior, Jesus, and believe that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. It's, yeah, if you confess 
the Lord Jesus. If he becomes your Lord or your boss, then we have some time. Now we'll bring him to heaven. Jacob. I remember once when I did lead somebody, after all that, after the prayer, I wanted to make sure I celebrated with them. Okay. So that they knew that it was not just something, but, and then invite them to the family. Invite them to church and have them become a part of your family. Amen. When you say your family, just, you know, for the uninitiated, let's say someone, what are you talking about, your family? What do you mean? Uh, invite them to your church the, or the small group, whatever it is that you get together. People who are, you are living life with, mm-hmm. not just your biological family, but Jeff is my brother. I've Amen. invited to people to our small group when we were both in Ridgecrest and or any group that you're getting together with that you say is brothers and sisters in Christ right. that invite them to live life together with you so that you have, they have more examples because yeah. Pastor Jerry Dearman talks many times about how you don't know where your faith is hurting or everything about being a Christian right away. Right. And they need examples. So continue to live that example. Invite them to live life with each other. And celebrate that you just gained another family member. That's awesome. You talked about the lowest cost being that you get a no. But the highest reward is that you have a new family member in the in the family of Christ. Amen. Uh, you can clap for that. That's good. And that's good. And I love that you're my brother. And I love that. And, and so here's Jacob. I told you before, I'll tell you again, drives 90 minutes down here on a good day, you know, from Ridgecrest to get to church, to get to our expression of family here, because there's something here that is precious to him. And it's not just me. I'll tell you that probably be enough, but it's not just me. It's, it's it, fair, that's why I came. <laughs> like, like, that's why I started. All right. Oh, no, no. Say that in the mic. This is important. No, uh, follow me here. To be fair, that was why I came to this church to begin with, was my relationship with you. Still coming is more than just that. Amen. But the first was because well, I just needed somebody I knew. Amen. And, and the truth is, like, I, I didn't say that for my benefit, even though it looked like that. This is, it does start with you. It does start with Philip going to Nathaniel and saying, check this out. And like, all right, I'll go. And good enough for you, I guess. You know, it's like, I like you. I trust you. People trust you. People know you. They know that you're not just duped. You're not a sucker. They see your life. Maybe they see your blessing and your testimony. It's like, hey. And so something in me connected with Jacob. And we always joke about it. It's like, God knows what. Because, you know, he doesn't know what Phantom of the Opera is. And I couldn't name football teams, you know. And so that's. Musicals and football, that's really kind of, if you were just in a nutshell. So here we are, brothers now. And it started there because Jesus has always been. People aren't flocking to Jesus just out of the blue. Amen? You got to embrace this truth. Jesus said, I'm sending you. I'm commissioning you. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit for this. So that there's word of knowledge. I saw you under the fig tree. What? I was under the fig tree. Tell with me. And like Jesus is real. I was like, God is real. Something has happened. It's a miracle. You, you couldn't have known this, right? 
I mean, it'd be different if, if <laughs> I can imagine Marshall would be like, you probably had some pizza at Mountain Dew last night. I was like, yeah, but that's, you know, you can get that five out of seven nights, you know, you'd be right, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It's not a guess. I saw you under the fig tree just before Philip called you, right? Like that's, that's deep Holy Spirit stuff. And so it, it starts with you. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. It starts with you. Well, it continues to do this. Everything starts with Jesus. But you know what I mean? Jesus was always there. And it, people aren't just like running to Jesus. Like, hey, let me give up my whole life. He said, I'm sending you. You go reap. Freely you've received. You freely give. It's, it's us, isn't it? All right. Who's in school? Who, who, who's school age right now? Jaden, thank you for that. Yeah? Seven, seven or so in here. Okay. Now, is everybody that you know a Christian or do you know some people who are not Christian yet? You don't know? Maybe some? Yeah. You know some people who are not Christian yet? Okay. And so there, do you think that if you invited them to get air for a birthday party, that they probably would go? Do you think that if you invite them to a swim party, they'd probably go? Yeah, people like it. Uh, now, is there an invitation that you could make? What if you invited them to church? Do you think they might go? You might think someone might want to go? Maybe, right? I think that's a good answer. Chloe's saying, <laughs> because it's not a trampoline park. It's not an amusement park. It's not a country club. This is spiritual life, right? But there is something in it. For everyone that you know, picture the people you work with. Non-Christians, people you work with? Anyone? Or is everyone around you a Christian? Now you got some unbelievers, right? I call them pre-Christians. If we're doing it right, they're pre-Christians. Because they should have the opportunity to get in the family. And who would want to be around here, right? <laughs> and so, you, what do you have to do, though? What do you have to do? So we, we've heard about the, the ask the big question. And then we start celebrate and invite them in because who, who knows what's depressing is ha- having a bunch of babies and then leaving them all alone to die by themselves. That's depressing, right? Okay. And so a picture, you get somebody saved and you never talk to them again. Or you never talk to them about the Lord. Or you never help them, you never disciple them is really what it is. You never tell them what's next. That's, Jacob set me up with this. Laura, did you hear it? He said they do life Together. Life Together is one of my favorite books of all time by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I've asked people around here to read it. And it is it just paints the picture of we're supposed to be together. Uh, Got together with Brian and Cassandra and the family uh, a couple nights ago. It was awesome. Whenever I have the chance, our calendar is trying to be full. We're trying to get a, a whole movie musical night going. If Ed can ever get moved, you know, get some time on his calendar, you know, he's coming. Elisa's coming. Cheryl, I think you're coming. There's some people musically inclined. Jacob, I didn't invite you on purpose. You're welcome. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I know. See, it's a weird life together. <laughs> he's like, yeah, so together that you can leave me out of that. That's when you know. But... This is, the, this is the truth. If you get somebody saved and you just leave them alone, it's like a baby. You're not going to feed that baby. You expect it to live. No, it's going to die. You don't touch that baby, hug that baby. It's going to die. 
We know the statistics. We know the tests. They've run these tests. Babies without touch die. Certainly babies without food and water and nourishment die. Without shelter and clothing die. That's what we have to give. Are we giving it? Are we birthing babies into the world? Are we reaping? Are we feeding, clothing, discipling? Are we reaping? Are we discipling? Are we integrating into the family? These are the big questions, right? Because any church you go to will be like, Jesus is great, and he is. And we're going to heaven, and we are. And the word is true. Hopefully they say that. And it is. We say it. The whole word is true. And it'll work for you right now. When your faith is activated, if you believe it, God's like, okay, good. If you believe me, then I'll give it to you. But man, we also say it's up to us to go get them or else they will not be God. I think I had something prepared. This is the lab, obviously, portion of what we do, trying to put these messages into practice. Was Nathaniel saved when Jesus first saw him? No. No. So what does it look like in our lives when we horao? What does horao mean? To see. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Pastor Alfredo. Um, horao, when we see, what does, it look, what does it look like in our lives when we horao, when we see someone with those spiritual eyes? What, what is that moment like? They're not saved yet. So what do you do to get into that point when you're even able to ask? Because I think Chris set us up with, there are some people who are resistant, rebellious, antagonistic, aggressive. Uh, There's another word I'm forgetting. They're against the gospel. They're against anything Jesus. I heard something the other day. It was like, you know, when they're trying to say, like, we don't believe in God. They always like poke at Christianity. They always poke at Jesus in that. It's never the other world religions that I was like, yeah, because of this or whatever. No, it's always, it's always focused on Christian Christianity. I thought it's interesting. It's like, oh, the thing that you you don't believe you keep talking about? Really? Or are you just <laughs> you're really struggling, you don't want to admit it to yourself. Um so Chris said when you're when you're out there, just out. So that's a that's a, a method, it's a tactic. We can go out there just anywhere. But is there a better tactic? Will. What do you think a better tactic is? We're, we're finding somebody. What does it look like? I mean, first, before you go out, go out there, you ask the Spirit to go before you. Amen. You ask pray God for, direction, pray and for power. direction and power and to, you know, over the Spirit or anything that uh, can be withholding in that area. So you release the bondage for the people, and then they're more open to see because then they're in darkness. So you got to get some light in there. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You pray first. And the Lord will then direct you to the right person to engage with. And then it's less likely that you're going to get a soda thrown on you. Amen? What else? Like with the conversations, one of the things is like people always ask about why I live my life the way I do. Because I'm very open. You know 
You I'm are. very open about my faith. Yes. And when people start asking, there's a hunger there. There's a reason they're asking. So just hone in on that. Obviously, continuing to be prayed up and everything. But live your life like we're supposed to, and people are going to come and ask. I mean, Amen. People are going to see you because we're supposed to reflect Jesus. They're going to see something different in you, even if they don't know you. I've right. had I've had that happen. So yes. just continue to live your life and then be open to somebody also coming up to you and asking why you're different. It's good. That's, that your life has a testimony. Is anyone asking you why your life, what, what's so different about you, why your life is the way it is? So it's an indicator. You know, it's like either I'm on the right track or maybe I could be a little more out there, a little more present, a little more. We're not putting on a show, but we're saying, hey, I'm living this. This is true for me. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your father in heaven. Bill, did you have something to say? Yeah. I think along the same line as being prayed up uh, and into the word, you have to be in the word. I mean, that's why we read read the word constantly is because uh, we need to uh, be self-sufficient that when we get to people that we um, can, I guess the point that I'm trying to get across though is that we need to be their friend. Yeah. So, and then once it, once it, we get that uh, friendship relation going, then, then it becomes, a, uh, uh, they, they become more open yeah. to it. Um, and, uh, and that's how, you know, especially, you know, when I'm at work and talking to people like that, uh, that, that they become open to it, then, then they just come and keep them. I, I, I've got some cards also um, that I keep in the airplane. So, because people are always asking about the airplane because the tail, yeah. uh, and, and people are, Give them a card and talk to them a little bit, and That's good. it works. <laughs> Bill, Bill is a pilot, and he had he had wrapped his plane at his own expense on his own dime, and it's one of our rock album covers, "Only by Your Grace." And so this grace is a you know big word on the tail and everything. So people ask about that, and he has a chance to share huh, Jesus, the most gracious. Amen. Only by Your grace I come. It's good. And I, it's, it's insane because I remember there was a time that I wasn't friends with Bill. That's weird to think now because we're such good friends. I didn't know Bill at one time, but it's like you feel like some people in your life, it's like there's, there's fixtures. Will Bill just randomly call us up and invite us? You know, hey, I'm going over here. You want to meet us for lunch or breakfast or whatever? Showed us a Spirit River Cafe. It's called the, should be called the Holy Spirit River Cafe because it's delicious. It's the best. In Apple Valley, if you ever want to go, the Spirit River Cafe. I was about to call it the Holy Spirit River Cafe. Um, yeah, see, what I'm getting at is we if, we, if we will just pray, the Lord will direct us to the right people, and there'll be people of peace, persons of peace, and they will want the word. They will want the answers that we have. And so you pray, you live, you love them and care about them, and you invest in them. This is kind of where we've gotten today. Do you feel any more equipped now than when you started this morning to be able to do this kind of thing, to be able to reap in this so-called ripe harvest that Jesus says? If we're going to believe Jesus, he says that it's ripe right now. It's today. I want you to I want everyone to picture right now as we dim the lights and I invite Cheryl to come and play over our prayer time. If, if you will just envision in your mind, you might even want to close your eyes again. And just envision 
Today, what would your day look like if the Lord sent you to somebody? If you said, Lord, here's what we're going to do right now, by the way. We're going to pray and, and ask the Lord to send us to someone specific. Lord, send us to someone. Give us a name. And then tell us what to do with that name. What do we invite them into? I always tell you, I'm not trying to like just grow this church so that I can be seen or heard. I don't care about that. I care about people getting the word of God, getting the same encouragement, investment, equipping that you get because that's the pastor's job. The pastor's job is to tell you the word so hard that you feel like it's your responsibility to do it because it is. Amen? I feel like I've accomplished that. I feel like I've laid it right at your feet. And Lord, I hope that you're pleased with the job that I am endeavoring to do here with every message. Show what you've done. Make the parallels because it's your same spirit that worked in Jesus who got it done and us who are meant to get it done too. Thank you for giving your spirit without measure. All of you And Lord, in return, we say, yes, all of us. You may have all of us. We want all of you. Would would you join me, church, in this prayer, wherever you're seeing this from? Join me in this. Ask the Lord, Father, send me to someone. Prompt me by your Holy Spirit. Give me a name. Give me a location. Give me a, a vague description. I'll follow whatever you give me. Look for the girl with the green jacket in aisle seven. Whatever the Lord may say, he does this. He does this. And sure enough, wherever you're going that day, you'll, you will, in obedience, go to aisle seven and doggone if there's not a girl with a green hoodie on. And you strike up a conversation, friendly conversation. Hey, how you doing? I feel like the Lord wanted me to pray a blessing over you. Would you, would you welcome that? Can I pray for you? And maybe it's, there's a contact in your phone. Maybe there's someone that you, you've been thinking about the whole service. They've got to know Jesus. I've got to bring them into this family. I've got to live life together with them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing these things to us, your people who are interested. We want to be active. We want to activate. Lord, every kid that goes to school in this room, I pray that they would see their classmates, their schoolmates, and have eyes to see as you did. And that we they would also go and be willing to have spiritual conversations with them and reap them into the kingdom, into your family. Same for all the adults at our workplaces, wherever we are, in our families, in our neighborhoods, where you send us to go pray, even at these schools, running into people. You tell us and we will say yes to you. And I declare over these people who are willing and obedient, they will eat the good of the land. You don't reap, you don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. Lord, that as they reap, that they will eat and eat well. 
that all of us, the family growing and coming together would be such nourishment, would be such life, such increase that we would all celebrate together like Jacob was describing. Like you've described in your word when the angels rejoice over one lost person who comes home and says yes to me in your family, in your love. Thank you for this time. We love you, Lord. We give it to you. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Before I let you go, I will tell you that Pastor Jack Hayford always did this thing that I really appreciated. He was like, don't clap right now. And that always freaked me out. I'm like, yeah, but we were just honoring the Lord. And he said, more than applause, the Lord's looking for obedience. So whether it was worship, he's like, no, 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 just say it. Don't clap, just say it. Or just sing it. Or just go do it. I'd rather, I'd rather no applause and obedient, active obedience. Amen.